0: Welcome to the Porch. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, by examining the Word of God and especially focusing on the Book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. The Porch Online Bible study takes a deeper look into their service to the kingdom. We don't water down the word, we don't filter it. It's just as it was written, just as it was intended. Because our desire is to find and restore the priesthood of the believer and regain the world-shaking influence that the early church had. By digging deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended, not the one that man created. We find the church that is needed right now. Because the church age is not over, and what happened in the upper room is as much for today as it was on the day of Pentecost. So if you know that there's more to your spiritual walk with Yeshua, with Jesus of Nazareth, then you want more, then you're welcome to join us on this journey as we get back to basics. If you have any questions, go to firefalltalkradio.com. Use the contact button or write us directly at the porch, lowercase one word, at firefalltalkradio.com. If you want to support what we do, there are ways to do so on the main page. If you need more information, just reach out to us. We appreciate your support and encouragement. Right now, the um, key ways to support us is either through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App. And for the Cash App, just reach out to me and I'll give you the information. Um, So welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms. Make sure you subscribe to us there. Listen and uh, share it. Connect with us on social media. Thank you for all the prayers and support for, for me and my family and the SRT team and uh, all that we do. We we definitely um, are thankful for it. If you need prayer or you want to pray for others in the porch community, just contact us. We will connect you with uh, the mailing list, the email list, and um, get you into the loop. So, Father, we come to you right now in the name of Yeshua, the name above all names. There is no other name in heaven and earth by which we can be saved. You are Abba, Papa, Daddy. So we boldly approach the throne of grace and mercy, crying out, Abba, we need you. We love you. We want to sit with you. We want to feel your presence in our life. Help us, show us anything that keeps us from having that relationship with you 24-7, just like Adam did. And someday when we get our glorified bodies and we are in paradise, we'll be able to walk with you in the cool of the evening. But for now, we do it through Yeshua, your son, and through the connection of the Holy Spirit. So we thank you for sending him. We thank you for the cross the empty tomb, the upper room. We thank you for his blood paying our debts to you so that we can be restored into right relationship. Lord, we never take the cross for granted. No matter how close we become, no matter how familiar we are, we can't ever forget the price you paid. But we know that you're alive, that you sit at the right hand of the Father, and you've allowed us to sit with you in the heavenly places. What a special privilege that is. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to walk with us and to teach us and to guide us and to remind us, to encourage us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for all that we have, our homes, our families, our furry kids, our possessions. All good things come from you. Everything comes from you. We're nothing without you. So we ask for your protection over us and all that we have. We ask for you to guard us, seal us, be the shield about us and the glory and the lifter of our head. We ask your Holy Spirit to just come and join with us right now during this time. We open our hearts and our minds to you to receive. We let go of all preconceived notions. We ask all false teachings and everything we've accepted or had put upon us to be washed away so that we can walk in newness and fullness of relationship with you. Holy Spirit, do whatever you want to do. This is your time. These are your people. And we ask you to join with us during this time on the porch. We pray all these things, protection from the enemy, and that you would be glorified. And we pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Okay, let's get those Bibles open. If you have a tangible one, and I hope you do, open it up. If you'd follow along digitally on your smart device, you should be ready. If you need a Bible and can't get one, just reach out to us. We'll help you out in that regard. We will return to learning about the fruit of the Spirit as we head towards Pentecost. But tonight, we're going to follow up the focus on Passover with a look at the resurrection. And this has been on my mind since this weekend, and and, and I'll explain that. But go with me to John chapter 11. This is what kind of inspired what we're talking about, starting with verse 17. This is when Yeshua shows up in Bethany because Lazarus is dead. So when Yeshua came, he found that he, being Lazarus, had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem about two miles, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Yeshua was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting at the house. Martha said to Yeshua, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Yeshua said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Yeshua said to her, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this?" And she said to him, "Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is come into the world. The resurrection of the Lord is the key to our faith. And trust that we too will be raised on the last days. If he's not risen, then he's just a dead prophet, a dead teacher. But he's not. He's risen. He's Messiah. He is everything that the Father promised he would be. Because if we don't believe this, if we don't believe that he's risen from the dead, if we don't believe that we will be raised in the last day, then the keys of hell and death still belong to the devil. And the door to eternal life is still locked. That's why to the first century church, the resurrection day, the celebration of the resurrection was the most important day of the year. Not his birth. That's not. They did not do that, folks. The most important day of the year to them was the resurrection day. Except in the second century. The further away we got from the Book of Acts Church, a debate arose over when to celebrate the resurrection. Most churches held the festival on the Sunday closest to the Jewish Passover. Sometimes there was doubt as to which of the two nearest Sundays would be observed. The churches in Asia Minor frequently observed the resurrection on the date of the Jewish Passover, even if it was not on a Sunday. In Rome, different congregations observed different days. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia explains that up until the Nicene Council in 325 AD, the church observed, and they called it Easter. I do not, for many reasons, I don't celebrate Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. I've taught about it. I've talked about it. They celebrated it on the Jewish Passover. But after the Council of Nicaea, they separated the two. See, during the first three centuries of the church, there was no attempt to standardize the Christian festivals. However, when Constantine became emperor, they changed the date away from Passover. One of the purposes, specific purposes, of the Council of Nicaea in 325 was to pick the date because Constantine did not want Easter to be celebrated on the Jewish Passover. He said it was the Christian duty to have nothing in common with the murderers of our Lord, ignoring the fact that it was Jew and Gentile that participated in the crucifixion, which would make sense because by the word of the Lord, he came for both Jew and Gentile. So they came together to make that decision the Jews manipulating the Romans to crucify Yeshua. And specifically, the Council of Nicaea required that the resurrection feast be celebrated on a Sunday and never on the day of the Jewish Passover. So they picked the Sunday following the first full moon of the spring equinox, which means it would always fall between March 22nd and April 25th, and they prohibited even the Lord's Supper on the day before the Jewish Passover, which was a distinct break, a distinct fracturing of the relationship between the Jews and the Messianic believers, specifically ripping it apart to where Christianity became a separate religion. From then on, they celebrated the solar Julian calendar giving it precedence over the Hebrew lunar solar calendar. But the the ruling of the Council of Nicaea wasn't immediately accepted everywhere. In fact, it didn't sit well with those who had been celebrating the resurrection on Passover to learn that they were suddenly being called heretics and Judaizers. And confusion reigned because between Rome and Alexandria, they... They chose the spring equinox on different days. And those who fought for fought for the Passover date on Nisan 14, no matter what day the week it fell on, were attacked and ostracized. But eventually, through pressure, the ruling of the Council of Nicaea was accepted by all the Western churches. The Evangelical Dictionary of Theology on Easter says this, anti-Jewish prejudice seems to have been a factor in the church leader's decision to make such changes. According to R.K. Bishop, quote, the early development of the celebration of Easter, so I kind of just spit that out, Easter, I don't like that, and the attendant calendar disputes were largely a result of Christianity's attempt to emancipate itself from Judaism. Sunday had already been replaced by the Jewish Sabbath early in the second century, and despite efforts in Asia Minor to maintain the Jewish Passover date of fourteen San for Easter or the the true Passover, hence the name Quatro Decimons meaning fourteeners, they even gave him a label. The Council of Nicaea adopted the annual annual Sunday. Celebration following the full moon after the vernal equinox of March 21st. See, before 70 AD, Christianity was regarded by the Roman government and by the people at large as a branch of the Jewish religion. They shared the biblical feast, although the Christians, the Messianic believers, observed them with the additional meanings given to them by Yeshua and the apostles. But then there were two Jewish revolts against the Roman Empire in 64 to 70 AD and 132 to 135 AD and the widespread persecution of the Jews and suppression of Jewish religious practices. Jews were driven from Jerusalem, forbidden to return on pain of death. And as pressure mounted, some Christians began to abandon their beliefs and practices perceived as being too Jewish. Hey, folks, he was Jewish. We're going to be celebrating the Jewish feast in the millennial. Every one of the apostles was Jewish. Even Luke, who was Greek, was a Jewish acolyte. You can't get away from the fact that this is a Jewish religion. No matter what you call it. See, the, the Lord and his disciples and the early church never celebrated Easter. They celebrated the Passover. They celebrated the resurrection of the Messiah. Why? What made it so important to them? Well, it should be important to us. But A.W. Tozer, in Renewed Day by Day about celebrating the power, says, I cannot give in to the devil's principles, deceitful tactic, which makes so many Christians satisfied with a Easter celebration instead of experiencing the power of Christ's resurrection. It is the devil's business to keep Christians mourning and weeping with pity beside the cross instead of demonstrating that Jesus Christ is risen indeed. He's not on the cross anymore, folks. He's not in the tomb He's alive. He sits at the right hand of the Father. So belief in the resurrection became a point of contention within the church. Within 20 years of the Lord's death, resurrection, and ascension, that's how quick the enemy was to infect them with deceit. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 12. But now... If Messiah is preached as raised from the dead, how is it that some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Messiah has not risen. And if Messiah has not risen, then our preaching is in vain. It amounts to nothing, and your faith is devoid of truth and is fruitless, without effect, empty, imaginary, unfounded. We are even discovered to be misrepresenting God, for we testified of him that he raised Messiah, whom he did not raise in case it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Messiah has not been raised. And if Messiah has not been raised, your faith is mere delusion. It's futile. It's fruitless. And you're still in your sins under control and penalty of sin. And further, those who have died in spiritual fellowship and union with Messiah have perished and are lost. If we who are abiding in Messiah have hope only in this life, and that is all, then we are all of people most miserable and to be pitied. But the fact is that Messiah has been raised from the dead, and he became the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep in death. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Within 20 years. See, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians were written at about 56 A.D. While Paul was in Ephesus. See, Paul spent 18 months between um, A.D. 50 and 51 establishing the church in Corinth. And within five years of that, era had crept in to deceive and destroy. You don't think the enemy's active full-time if you don't think he went after the book of Acts church full of power to find ways to deceive them and knock them off track and took 300 years to take control of the church. He's fully active all the time, and we need to be standing, studying, praying, and believing all the time. Vine's complete expository dictionary of Old and New Testament words, the word resurrection, anastasis, denotes a raising up or rising. Ana means up, and histemi means cause to stand. It's the core foundation of our faith that Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, has risen from the dead, and we too as believers will do the same. If this is all there is, if this, we have no hope, but I have hope. I have the blessed hope of seeing him again, and I have the blessed hope that when I see him again, I will get a glorified body, and I will live for eternity with him and the Father in paradise. When Scripture speaks of the resurrection in general, commonly the phrase is a resurrection of dead ones, plural. Messiah's resurrection is spoken as a resurrection of dead ones. Look at Romans 1, verses 3 and 4, concerning his son, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord, who has been born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God. With power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. That was the core of their beliefs. That was the core of their teachings. That was the core of Paul speaking, to his Jewish brothers and sisters, when he got to speak in the synagogues, and he got to talk to them. In Acts thirteen, starting verse. 26, he's in the synagogue and he's speaking. Somebody said, does anyone have a word? Well, Paul always had a word. Brothers, you sons of Abraham and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. The people in Jerusalem and their leaders did not recognize Yeshua as the one the prophets had spoken about. Instead, they condemned him. And in doing this, they fulfilled the prophet's words that are read every Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. When they had done all that, the prophecy said about him, they took him down from the cross and placed him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. Hashem raised him from the dead. And over a period of many days, he appeared to those who had gone with him from Galilee, to Jerusalem, they are now his witnesses. To the people of Israel, see this is the same terminology used in First Corinthians fifteen twenty one, where the Greek text literally reads, "For since through man, uh, since through a man's death, came, so also through a man came a resurrection of dead persons." This confirms that Messiah's resurrection included the resurrection of believers to eternal life. And when he rose, many arose with him as further proof of that statement and were united with him in his resurrection. Romans 6 verses 4 and 5, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Messiah was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. We should walk in the newness of life. Ephesians 2, 6, he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places with Messiah. Yeshua, Colossians 3, 1, If you were raised with Messiah, seek those things which are above, where Messiah is sitting at the right hand of God, over and over and over in the teachings. It's about the resurrection of the Lord, and the resurrection from the dead for those that believe. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul begins his arguments with some facts you got to remember, Paul studied under Gamaliel, the Pharisee of all Pharisees, so he knew how to speak, he knew how to teach, he knew how to make his point. 1 Corinthians 15, starting verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which also I received, that Messiah died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And he has been seen by Cephas, which is Peter, and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that, he was seen by James, and then by all the apostles, and last of all, seen by me as one born out of due time. So here's what he's saying. That when the Lord rose from the dead, there were witnesses, 500 of them at one time. And many of them were still alive, which meant the statement he was making on in that letter had witness verification that they could go speak to those witnesses. This is a legal statement. This is a testimony that fulfilled Deuteronomy 19.15. One witness shall not rise against a man concerning iniquity or sin that he commits, but by the mouth of two or three witnesses the matter shall be established. Well, if 500 people saw him, according to the Jewish law, it's settled. He rose from the dead. 500 sets of eyes on the resurrected Savior should give us high confidence in the truth of the resurrection the reality of the resurrection cannot be undone and it puts the world of believers on notice of judgment and that's why the devil doesn't want it that's why the enemy deceived and put people into positions of leadership to do what needed to be done 1 Corinthians 15:20 said he was the first Fruits of those who had fallen asleep. And, of course, what he's talking about is those who are in Sheol with the righteous dead awaited Messiah. And First Fruits is the biblical festival celebrating the first harvest of the crops, second of the three annual pilgrimage festivals to Jerusalem. And Resurrection Day is that day. You think it's important I do. But we we have prior proof. See, everything the Father does, everything the Lord does, he gives a foreshadowing of. Raising Lazarus from the dead in John 11, Jairus' daughter in Luke 8, the widow of Nain's son in Luke 7, all passed from physical death back to life. And in Lazarus' case... On the fourth day, your body begins to decompose and the gases build up and the and the organs start to disintegrate and the tendons and the ligaments and everything is all falling apart and begins to stink. In fact, Martha says that when he says, roll away the stone. And Martha goes, but Lord, he stinks. Lazarus, come forth. And all of that changed. All of that went back. His body is back and he comes out. Folks, we have it. Witnesses, testimony, evidence. Shouldn't we live like we know that? In Matthew 27, starting with verse 50, and Yeshua cried again with a loud voice. He's on the cross and gave up his spirit. In all these years, I still can't talk about that. And at once, the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep in death were raised to life. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection they went into the holy city and appeared to many people the tombs were opened the inauguration of the kingdom of god by destroying the power of death and establishing the final resurrection isaiah 26:19 your dead shall live together with my dead body they shall arise Awake and sing, you who dwell in dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Daniel 12, two prophesied, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. That's on the final day. That's when the Lord comes back. That's when he splits the Mount of Olives. That's when it all happens. This is what we count on. This is what we look for. The resurrection is the key to everything. Colossians 1.18, and he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. So those people rose on that day when, when the temple veil was ripped in two, that, that garment there was a hand that was as thick as a hand of one thread, ripped from top to bottom, which means nobody ripped it in the natural, supernaturally ripped so that the Father could get out and have a relationship with us. Permanently raised immortality to live forever in their bodies. Messiah, the first fruits, was first of all the first of all the permanent resurrections. And I suspect, although it's not written that way, that when the Lord rose, ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, they all went with him. See, he had already gone down into Sheol to take the righteous dead and presented them to the Father as first fruits. Or... And again, there's no teaching one way or the other. Or the one when he did that, those people that were on the earth that came out of those tombs left just as quickly as they appeared. Either way, it's pretty, pretty outstanding, pretty substantial. Now, if Messiah is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say? there is no resurrection of the dead for if there's no resurrection of the dead the messiah is not written that's what paul's saying in 1st corinthians 15 what he's saying is the risen messiah is our hope and, and let me be clear about this not to be hurtful not everybody gets this oh everybody who dies goes to heaven no no they don't those that have accepted the gift so those that have accepted the sacrifice on the cross, those that have made Yeshua Lord of their life and have their names written into the Lamb's book of life. The silliness that everybody gets in because they don't want to offend anybody. And I wish Paul would say who the Corinthians were that were teaching there's no resurrection. They were obviously opponents of Paul denying the reality of Messiah's resurrection. And I've heard this even today, that it was only spiritual rather than physical. Even today, I see foolishness like this. And I see people being deceived by it. And if you look at 2 Timothy 2.18, someone was saying that the, the resurrection, our resurrection from the dead had already happened there are people that's saying the second coming the rapture none of that's going to happen it's all figuratively happened we're living in the millennial reign and that just is so stupid you forgive me this won't sound very spiritual you want to slap me in the head that's just dumb this doesn't line up with prophecy at all and if you if you're telling me this is the millennial kingdom we got lied to and we didn't get lied to my heavenly father doesn't lie Messiah, physically raised from the dead, and believers in him will someday also be resurrected. Paul made it a foundational part of his teaching and his ministry's efforts. Romans 1, verses 1 through 4. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus, the Messiah, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he, capital H, promised. Before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, our Lord, our Adonai, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God, with power according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. That's in his opening letter to the Church in Rome. Why aren't we living like this? Why does our hope get shaken by the cares and the things of this world and what the enemy does? But now Messiah has risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Messiah. All shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Messiah, the first fruits afterward, those who are Messiahs at his coming. And then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and all power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has put all things under his feet, but when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now, when all things are made subject to him, then his son, the son himself, will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. What about the Lord? What about his words? Would that even matter? If you're not convinced, you know somebody who's not convinced. John 5, starting verse 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, talking about his father, has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live prophesying that day on the cross for as the father has life in himself so he who has greeted granted I'm sorry he was granted the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation got to remember when the lord spoke when prophets speak they speak of things that are now and that coming there's a duality in all prophecy If we don't believe in the Lord's resurrection, we don't believe in the second resurrection to eternal life with Him. It just doesn't work. But the comfort, that blessed hope I talked about of Messiah's coming, and our being caught up together with Him, that's how all this ties together. 1 Thessalonians 4, starting verse 13. But I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Yeshua. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and, will re- and remain And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. The comfort of Messiah coming to get us. The comfort of the resurrection. The comfort of being caught up together with him. This world has no hold on me. I can tell you how many times I've told a demon or a fallen angel or uh, something was worshipped as a god at some point in history who threatened to kill me. You have no power over me you don't You don't decide when I die. only my heavenly Father does. My hope is in him. My hope is in nothing less than Yeshua and his righteousness. So the first resurrection witness. To the immense power of God was Yeshua himself. So to believe in the resurrection is to believe in God. Right? If God exists and we believe that He does, we know that He does. If He created the universe and we know that He does and, we, and He has power over it, then He has the power to raise the debt. But if he doesn't have such power, he's not worthy of our faith and worship. Only he who created life can resurrect it after death. Only he can reverse the grotesque, hideous thing that death is and remove the sting of death and gain the victory over the grave. Because in a resurrecting Yeshua from the grave... God, our Heavenly Father, reminds us of his absolute sovereignty over life and death. He's seeing why the enemy hates this so much. But let's follow Paul in his argument. He concludes his argument in 1 Corinthians 15 with verse 50 through 58, talking about our final victory. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through Adonai Yeshua Meshiach, our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, and knowing that your labor is not vain in the Lord. How about this, the ultimate healing we all seek The ultimate healing for a believer in Yeshua is the resurrection. Psalm 49, 15, God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. We all want the healing now. We all want the restoration now, but that may not be. But we know this much. The ultimate healing is the resurrection. Paul even continues his case in the second letter to the Corinthians. Obviously, this problem persisted. Second Corinthians 4, verses 13 and 14. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak knowing that he who raised up, I don't know, Yeshua, Lord Jesus, will also raise us up with Yeshua and will present us with you. It continues in verse 16, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, giving us the assurance of the resurrection. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, meaning our bodies, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we are those, we who are in this tent grown, being burdened. Not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed. That mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Who has given us the Spirit as guaranteed. Ties into Pentecost, the outpouring of the upper room. Gets us back to the fruit and gifts of the Spirit. So we are always confident, Do you get that always confident, not sometimes, we're always confident, knowing that, we, that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased, rather than to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Oh, I don't want to die. First of all, I don't believe I'm going to die. I believe I'm going to fly. I believe from the dreams and the visions and Lord, what the Lord has told me that to be the case. But it doesn't matter. My hope's not in keeping this body. I don't want this body. It's done its job. It's gotten me this far. I want that body. And you know what? Some may say that no one's ever come back from the other side to give us an assurance of it. But that's not true. And you need to tell them that. Yeshua came back. Witnesses saw him. History declares it. he authenticated the unseen realm. And in all the proofs of immortality, no evidence is as so decisive as the resurrection of our Lord. You see why the celebration of the resurrection was so powerful to the book of Acts church, to the first century church. How do we not see that? How did we lose this? Why are we talking about so many other things? But Paul talked about this a lot. He encouraged them a lot. You can't take anything with you. Why are we building up treasures on this earth? Let's go back to Jesus and Martha for a second. The resurrection of Lazarus. When he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Whoever believes in, adheres to, trusts in, relies on Yeshua, though he or she may die, They shall live, and whoever continues to live and believes and has faith and cleaves to relies, relies on Him, shall never actually die at all. See, here's the thing about that: He spoke us into existence. We are eternal beings. We are made of the the power of God. We are connected to Him through the universe. We. We are electrical beings. I've taught about this. If you watch the C conferences, both 2010 and 2019, I think it is, go into great details. Electricity cannot be destroyed. It can only be altered. What we are can never be destroyed. It can only be altered. Therefore, we're going to live eternally somewhere. We're going to exist eternally somewhere. It's either going to be with him in paradise or eternal condemnation and judgment, separation from God first in the outer darkness, then eventually in the lake of fire. I am the resurrection and the life, the Lord says. Whoever believes in me Though they may die, they shall live. And whoever lives and believes in him shall never die. Do you believe this? Yeah, I just asked you a question. Do you believe this? Well, if you do, why aren't you living a life that confirms that you believe it? Why are you so worried? And I'm speaking to myself here. Why are we so worried about all these temporal things? Why do we allow the enemy to heap all this stuff on us? He's just trying to get us off of the facts. He's just trying to get us away from the testimony. He's a con man, sleazy, snake oil lawyer in a courtroom that's trying to get the jury to see everything but the truth misdirection, performance, bombastic, everything that that lawyer can do to get them from not seeing the facts. He's doing that to us every day. When we turn on the news, when we look at everything going, I can't change those. Do they frustrate me? Yeah, but I can't change those things. And a lot of these things going on right now that you think people can change or, we'll put the right person in the White House and he'll change it. No, no, he won't. Stop listening to ear ticklers. No, only God can change things. And at this point, it's going to have to be a miracle. It's going to have to be something so supernatural man doesn't have his hands on it. Because anytime man puts his hands on things, he screws it up. Look at the Council of Nicaea. Look at the thing we call church today. Look at the celebration that went on this week, and People, they claim Yeshua as Lord. Jesus says, Lord, celebrating Easter with bunnies and chocolate and candy and all these pagan symbols which have nothing to do with what that day was about. Misdirection. Distraction. Deceit. My goal, and not to offend you if I have, I apologize for the offense, but I tell you to open your Bibles and study more, is this. To get you prepared, first for his return, but for everything going on, all the signs of the of, of the end times, all the things we've talked about in Matthew 24 over the years, we're seeing them the perversion, the debauchery, the destruction of society, all the things that are happening are telling us time is running out. I want you to be ready. I want you to be prepared. I want you to be able to stand, and when having done all, to stand in the fullness and the power and the hope That Paul's been talking about this whole time as I've read to you, as I've made the case. Father, Abba, I don't know who's listening. I know some people that are listening, but I don't know who's hearing what I'm saying. I ask you to open their eyes, open their ears, open their hearts to change them, to be about your business, to be about kingdom business, to understand anything other than getting people saved, healed, and delivered is a waste of time. To change the world, we change it one person at a time by bringing them to you so that they can make you Lord of their life. So I pray right now that we all find our way back to the cross as a reminder of the price that he paid. (laughs) I'm sorry, Lord, I can't ever talk about it. Can't do it. But I know you're not there. My whole life I saw crucifixes and statues and images of you up on the cross. And people still looking and celebrating, and I'm going, no, he's not on the cross anymore. He's alive. The tomb is empty. The cross is bare. Yeshua, Jesus of Nazareth, is alive forevermore. Sitting at the right hand of the Father and allowing us to sit with him now spiritually in the heavenly places, but soon physically. Holy Spirit, have your way with us. Have your way with us. Do what needs to be done. Bring everything to the forefront, everything inside of us that's not of the Father. Bring it, pull it out all into the light, expose it, and take it away. We need our hope. We need our faith empowered. We need you, Lord, more and more every day. I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. And if you believe, just say amen. Find your way back. Find your way back to where you once were. Find that passion again. Find that feeling you once had when you first met him and hold on to it and never let it be stolen again. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord, Adonai, Yeshua HaMashiach, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord, may Adonai, lift up his countenance upon you and give you, peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.